Morning everyone. Good to see you all here. Yes, there we are. Jolly good. Love that song. Um, yeah, so, so this morning we're rounding off on uh, the, the, the bit of the book based, uh, the John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I know when I was here, I kind of like, first time round, kind of launching the whole series. I said it was quite a difficult one because obviously for, for you guys, um, this might not be an issue too much of hurrying around and, you know, it may be something, you know, working life or whatever, it might have been like that, but there are still things, I think, that we can pick out of this. And um, Nigel kind of mentioned it straight from the off. Who likes queuing? <laughs> Who likes queuing? Come on, hands up. No, none of us do. <laughs> but when you're in a queue, what do you do? Talk. Yeah. Go for the shortest one. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Honesty is the best policy. Uh, I've done the teaching series for the young people on this, and um, this is why it's been quite uh, massive in my head that I've done teaching for a younger generation that are dealing with, you know, phones and social media and all this kind of stuff, and then I've been teaching your generation as well, and, and just trying to navigate that with you as well, what that looks like. Not trying to judge, not trying to, but just placing it before everybody of um, how this kind of um, series uh, has been laid out, of slowing down, eliminating hurry. And um, a lot of the young people I know, I do it as well. When I'm in the queue, first thing I do, phone out. Phone out, check social media, see if anybody actually has texted me because I've got no friends. And, and, and kind of like, you know, that's the thing. And it is, it's just like head down, focus like this. So when you're in a queue sometimes, it is nice to talk. And I was reminded actually um, of the queue that went on uh, for Her Late Majesty, that, that, that people were queuing for hours, not just hours, but hours that went into double digits, 10, 11, 12 hours. And people like David Beckham were queuing up and not trying to cut in quickly, we're not saying who did that, um, but, but they, were, they were chatting. It, you know, some, of the, some of the reports back were people had now made lifelong friends. They were on WhatsApp groups together, messaging each other, and that's all because they just wanted to go and pay their respects and they got to meet new people. It's just something to hold on to. It's like, do you choose the longer or the slower queue? It is something just to, because that was a long, slow queue. And people chose to go into it. But yes, driving. Thank you, Nigel. <laughs> I don't know what he means. The quickest lane. What is the quickest lane these days? I've found that actually it's the inside lane. <laughs> that is the fastest lane which I nearly always start to take. Legally, I try not to be, but it is that the middle lane, the outside lane, they're all trying to hurry around that one lorry that's a quarter of a mile up the road. So everyone's right, I need to get into this lane so I can get past it. And I'm just thinking, if I stay in this lane at the speed limit, I find I get past the lorry quicker. Just putting that out there. But yeah, um, there was something we did as a family. I am known as a little bit of an impatient driver. I don't know where they get that from. 
and, and, and I hate it when there's that cue because I can see, move over, move, move. And I end up a little bit like Jeremy Clarkson, uh, who from Top Gear fame, he likes to go fast, etc. So I said, to, I said to the family, they're getting a little bit irate with me. I said, okay, we're going to drive three ways. Well, we're on the way to see Kate's parents, so it's a three-hour drive. For one hour, I'm going to drive like your mother. All right? Calm. A bit hesitant now and again, but just, you know. Then I'm going to drive like Jesus. <laughs> All right? Just, no, after you. No, after you. Hi. Whatever Jesus would do that when he's driving. And then I was going to drive like Jeremy Clarkson. It was just like, right, we're getting there. Right, come on. Um, the kids said that the best one was Jesus. You know, I have to say that because you can't say it's your mum. She might give them a... No. But it was definitely Jesus. And that's something for us just to... And it was good for me to consider as well. Um, so as we finish this series of, of, of start as we mean to go on, we just want to look at this slowing as a spiritual discipline. Now it's true that you wouldn't normally think of slowing as a spiritual discipline. But it is something that John Mark Comer looks at. And um, how, do we, how do we slow in life? Um, and, and Wayne and I had been talking about this and, and I got hold of some of his notes and we were comparing stuff and having a bit of a, a chat about it. And we were saying that not all of the modern things that we have today are bad. Some of them are really good. I'm sure there's a lot of benefit for all of us to put a pile of washing in a washing machine. Yes? Do we, is that something that we think that's a good thing of modern day and age that is really helpful to put in a, I'm not going to ask who puts it in the washing machine <laughs> you have a little chat there we'll leave it there but yeah <coughs> to put washing in the washing machine as opposed to spending hours wherever down at the river or wherever it was with a washboard and stuff like this and, and taking all of that time out um, even though that might have been a wonderful thing to do. And I'm not suggesting anybody here has ever done that, but maybe parents, I mean, probably grandparents, great-grandparents, that was what happened. And they would sit down, they would carry on doing it, and they chat. So you're spending time with people, you're slowing down, whereas a washing machine, there you go, I'm off to do another task. Just interesting way of thinking of any of that. The practice of slowing may not instantly spring to mind when you think about spiritual practices such as Sabbath, silence and solitude, simplicity. But more and more people who teach on what it means to be a follower of Jesus are including this one as a sort of a a protest a little bit about living at a breakneck speed that we're kind of living at. It's like more and more scholars are kind of looking at this and going, we are literally heading to a, a cataclysmic kind of ending as human beings. We're just too busy doing stuff. And John Mark Homer talks about how John Ortberg, Richard Foster, have both used the word slowing as a spiritual discipline. And John Ortberg defines slowing as cultivating practice by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Do we like that statement? Let me read it again. 
cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Do you like to wait? I'm not keen on it, (laughs) to be honest with you. I hate waiting for a kettle to boil. I want my cup of tea. I want it now. But you have to wait for the kettle to boil. I I tend to be a very eco-friendly person when it comes to the kettle and fill it only to what I need for my cup of coffee or my cup of tea. Whereas I have my sons when they come down, all I hear them do is this. Open the lid. Well, there's a full kettle for one cup. They don't have to pay the bills. And it's just like, right, and I keep trying to say to them, but then again, they're actually waiting there even longer for the kettle to boil. But I notice the first thing they do is go on their phones. Just an interesting kind of thought, really. Um, But to fully ruthlessly eliminate hurry, we need to be willing to do some waiting. Um, I'll I'll share with you a story that happened. Uh, This slowing stuff we did on youth camp probably about 10 years ago, maybe even longer actually. And it was something that I'd been reading Richard Foster's book, This uh, Celebration of Discipline, and it was about slowing. So the whole idea was the whole week was to go slow. So we said, when the dinner bell went, for the young people to come out of their tents wherever, they weren't to run. Because they, food, <laughs> want to get there first so I can get the biggest plate. So, so we'd say, stop, go slow, walk. Walk slowly, take in your surroundings, observe, maybe chat to the person next to you as you do it. In fact, that's what I've asked the young people to do this morning. They're going in groups, walking around Lake Meadows, and I'm asking them to stop, to look, to listen. Where's God? Who are you meeting? Going slow, don't walk frenetically, don't get your phones out, just go slow. And at this youth camp, um, I was teaching on this, and uh, Giles Goodeve at the time was helping out in the youth work, and he was one of the minibus drivers, I was the other minibus driver, and we'd gone away for the day to the beach, there were no toilets on the beach in North Norfolk, Um, that's just the way it is, and uh, it was a case of, as we were coming back, uh, Giles was going in front, I give him the nickname Captain Slow, because he is really slow at driving, he infuriates me sometimes, and I was behind him, and we had two minibuses full of young people driving back. I unfortunately had a little bit of a tummy upset, and needed to get to a toilet quickly. A lot quicker than Giles was allowing me, because over the little radio I was saying, Giles, I really do need to get back to the camp so I can go to the toilet over the airwaves. Oh, but Gary, we're meant to be going slow. And at that point, the brake lights start to go on the minibus in front of me, and I'm like, no, 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 Dad Charles, what you don't understand is we're going to be cleaning the minibus if we're not careful. It's as simple as that. And he's like, Gary, no, we are going slow. And probably for the next 10, 15 minutes, he went as slow as he possibly could through the Norfolk country lanes. Eventually, when we got to where we were staying, it took everything in my being not to lump him as I ran past to go to the toilet. There are some times you need to be quick. 
and there are sometimes you do need to be slow. But that was just a, a, a memory I had of, of Giles winding me up again. We see James's teaching in the New Testament on this. James was writing at a time when first century Christians believed that actually Jesus was coming back imminently. Now here we are over 2,000 years later, still waiting. <laughs> but the young Christians were thinking, Jesus has gone, he's coming back. And they were getting a bit restless as it was happening. And James writes into this context and he uses the message, Wayne was talking about using the message version. He likes that quite a lot, so do I. It says, meanwhile friends, wait patiently for the master's arrival. You see the farmers do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow but sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any time. The discipline that James encourages here is to wait patiently. You can't wait patiently when you're hurrying around, scurrying around from whatever chore it is to the next chore, trying to get this done, trying to get that done. To wait patiently is about waiting with tolerance of delays. It's not about getting angry at the delay. A dictionary definition says that to be patient means that when suffering comes, we do not get annoyed or anxious. I find that quite interesting. When suffering comes, we do not get annoyed or anxious because we are willing to wait for God in this. It's interesting, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And I shared last week at the all-age service looking at the giants that we face in Exodus 13, verse 14, that God says to the Israelites, stand still, I will fight for you. And that's what this is saying. When we are still, when we trust in God, it's like we allow him to step in and intervene, not us trying to do it all. And I know that I'm a try-and-do-it-all kind of person sometimes. And James kind of hits it home here with a, with a farmer who is waiting patiently, lets the rain do its slow work. And I remember watching uh, farmers waiting patiently to harvest. They would check the weather, they'd go out and see if the grain is ready, and then when it was ready, they would harvest. To be patient is to slow down our lives, to not rush around. To not get over-anxious about something, but instead to slow down and we could also say we be with Jesus in that. It's not just about slowing down and doing nothing. It's actually slowing down and saying, okay, where are we at, Father? Where am I at with you, Jesus? It's not just a, oh, I need to chill out and that's it. Where am I at with you, Jesus? To slow down our lives. It's interesting, I was uh, comparing notes with Wayne and I'd written this down and he'd written this down. Uh, how did Jesus get about in the Gospels? How do we read that he got about? He walked. I think there's only one time we see him going in on a donkey into Jerusalem. doesn't actually say that he went on a donkey with Mary and Joseph because obviously he was in the womb still. doesn't say that in the Bible but actually it says he walked everywhere. Literally Everywhere. From Nazareth to Galilee, literally across the map in Israel. 
It's about a six-hour walk. So that's 30 kilometres in old money, 18.6 miles. So it is about the same as us walking from here to South South End. So imagine that walk with a group of young men. We're on the, ro- on the road to South End. There they were going from Nazareth to Galilee. From Nazareth to Jericho or Jerusalem, down south, and they're, they're kind of about the same. <coughs> it's about a 30-hour walk. So that's 137 kilometres or 85.1 miles. So it's about from here to Lowestoft. Right? If we can imagine that, up past Southwold in between uh, Great Yarmouth, up to Lowestoft there, walking. Now they wouldn't have gone 30 hours straight. They'd have stopped along the way. They'd have eaten meals. They'd have stopped at people's houses, wherever it would have been. They would have chatted. They would have just spent time together. They went at Jesus' pace. And Jesus' pace was slow. They weren't hiring horses to get there as quick as possible. They weren't. They were walking everywhere. They would have chatted. We see as well Jesus on the road to Emmaus when he stops and has a meal with a couple of the disciples when they're walking. They stop for a meal and then he reveals himself and he's gone. Mark 61, uh, sorry, Mark 6 verse 31 says that Jesus says to his disciples, come away with me. Let us go alone to a quiet place and rest for a while. Jesus wanted to stop with the disciples and rest. They were doing some big ministry stuff, okay? Lots of big ministry stuff. In fact, actually, on the way to this quiet place, Jesus sees the crowd. He has compassion upon them and he ends up feeding the 5,000. So even in that time when he wanted to take some time out of the disciples, he still loved people, he still got on with ministry. And in John Mark Homer's book, he makes an interesting point when he accepts that Jesus lived in a different age to us. We must remember that. Didn't have cars, emails, internet, big, busy and pressured cities like we have today. And Jesus certainly didn't have an alarm clock. He didn't have an angry boss that was expecting him to work overtime either. Because it was his Father in heaven whom he loved. Jesus' pace of life was completely different to what we have in 2023. But as Nigel highlighted, John Mark Homer does suggest to take the slow lane of traffic. It probably help you with road rage a little bit as well, and I need to learn that. Choose the longer line at a checkout. <laughs> I hate that. But choose... These are the things he's suggesting. There are about 20, 24, 25 things. I'm not going to read through all of them because you might be throwing things at me by the end of it. (laughs) But yeah, choose the longer line at a checkout. Turn your phone off. And I know that that's something that that I struggle with sometimes because it is actually also a mode of work. It's how I use it. But when I'm off, turn it off. He actually says, if you can, take long holidays. Not just short ones, here and there, 
but take a long holiday so you can truly rest and rest with Jesus. Because if you sit on a beach or wherever it might be and you're just spending that time, you can just literally think of Jesus saying, come away with me for a while and rest. John Mark Homer suggests cook a meal from scratch. Take the time with all the ingredients. I know I've done a curry before where you've done it, you quickly do it all, kind of onions in and whatever meat, whatever vegetables, and then pour the sauce in, rice on, job done, right, what's on set? Right, okay, we're just like, and it's quick, it's quick. And it was uh, Carl Beach years ago, he said to me, you ever thought about doing a curry from scratch? And I said, I've never done one from scratch. So he showed me. It was when I was a lot younger in ministry. And he got all these spices out and he says, you've got to put them in the pan first. No oil, just put them in the pan first and just let the spices start to crack open and that. Then you start adding the stuff. And I just thought, like, I am really hungry, Carl. Hurry up, mate. <laughs> but it took time. Taking time. Um, and, and something that I've tried to do, but I struggle because I'm a bloke, is multitask. I struggle sometimes with that. Don't multitask, but instead do single tasks. And he suggests to other do, th- do other things as well. But if you, I've done it before. I was talking to Paul Croswell, and we were talking about slowing and everything else like that. He was listening to a podcast, and he was decorating two rooms at the same time. And I said, what are you doing that for? He said, because I had that room to do, I had the tin of paint open, and I had that room to do, and it just seemed more sensible to do it that way. And I said, did you feel a little bit stressed afterwards? He said, oh boy, was I. <laughs> and I was listening to a slowing down podcast. <laughs> and I said, ah, oh, the irony. <laughs> and he said, yeah, he, just did. he was listening to what he should do, but wasn't doing what he should do. And just taking his time to do that room. Do it properly, whatever it might be. These aren't rules. These are simply offered uh, suggestions and ways we can slow down. So what does it look like uh, for you slowing down? Okay, What does it look like for you? Uh, more importantly, what does it look like going alone with Jesus and resting a while? What does that look like for you? Is it, I must do my Bible study first thing in the morning because I've, I feel that I should do it? Or actually, is it one where you're kind of like, just going to take my rhythm of the day and actually I'll sit down with a nice cup of coffee and open the Word of God and just allow God to speak that way? We have different ways of doing it. There's no right or wrong. But what we must do is continue developing our relationship with Jesus. But know that his pace is not fast. If you think I've got to get through this chapter, it might actually, Jesus says, I just want you to focus on that word and that word only. What does that word mean to you right now? Stop, dwell on that, mull on it. It may be that at your stage of life, your um, life at the moment is quite slow, maybe quite quiet, um, and actually you would encourage a little bit more of interaction in life. You know, I'm, I'm recognising the room here. Okay, I'm recognising that. I'm not saying that everyone's just got to slow down in what they're doing. But there might be things that you do in life to fill your time. It may be that your life was one of hurry and chaos. 
And maybe now it's a time where you're able to just go, I can go slow, I can chill out a little bit, and I can spend more time with Jesus. Hurry for you can be completely different to what it is for me. This week, I couldn't believe what I put in my diary, and it was chock-a-block with one thing after another every single day until yesterday where I could stop. And I made a point on Friday evening of saying, I am doing nothing on Saturday, Lord. I am literally doing nothing. And guess what? I did nothing. I know I'd like to be out in the workshop doing something or pottering around in the garden. I didn't do any of that. I read a few bits of of books and watched a couple of TV programmes. Watch England beat Wales. Yes! And and just enjoyed the evening with, with, with Kate. And it was lovely just slowing and stopping and spending some time with God. The key to this is to focus on the pace of life you have with Jesus. With Jesus. If it's full of daytime TV, from one programme to the next, from one lunch thing or whatever it might be, does Jesus get a look in in your day? Does he get a chance to just draw alongside and you can spend time together? Because there will be things that we will fill our day with. If we've got some time spare, the enemy will want to fill it. And sometimes we'll be like, oh, I've got, I've got, a spit, I've got an hour, what do I do? Fill the kettle up. <laughs> no, maybe don't, because you need to be, you know. Just make a cup of coffee, sit down with the word and spend time with Jesus if you're able to do it. What I'm amazed at is Jesus' ministry only lasted around three years. He walked slow everywhere. He walked everywhere. Yet what he accomplished in three years is amazing. Now, of course, we know he's the Son of God. He had supernatural power to be able to do stuff, but he still took time to do the little human things of eating and drinking and walking, spending time with the Father and being quiet on his own with the Father. He had a pace at a time where hurry was not foremost in his life. So as we close this series... I want to encourage you to engage with Jesus in the silence, in the solitude, in the Sabbath, in the simplicity and in the slowing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your son Jesus. As Nigel read earlier on of what heaven looks like with the throne and yourself there with the angels, with beasts and wings and elders, all holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And we recognise as well that through your Son, you've shown us simplicity, slowing, Sabbath. And Father, we thank you. Father, you are interested in the small things that go on in our lives, not just the big things. And actually it's in the slowing and the simplicity that we see and find you more and more interacting in our lives. Lord, for those of us here this morning that maybe struggle 
uh, with slowing down and multitasking and everything else like that. Lord, would you draw alongside us like Mary sat at your feet. Father, help us to be more like Mary than Martha. Important to do things, but just as important to sit at your feet. And Father, maybe for some of us who need that interaction more in our lives, where actually there is that solitude and silence and and it needs something different, Father, we pray that we as a body of Christ uh, would come alongside people that are feeling that. Father, I pray you would bless each one of us this morning as we've looked at this series. Uh, Food for thought, Father, in taking time out with Jesus. Amen.